Radical discipleship. When in the midst of storms, we recognize that we have a Savior who comes to us, who loves us with an infinite love, and who graciously, even in our weak faith, graciously restores us back to himself. And so that our testimony can be strong, surely you are the Son of God. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. Good morning. It is so good to be here, be a part of the family of First Presbyterian Church. I retired a year ago, a little over a year ago, from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina, where I served there for 30 years. And Mary Ann, my wife, and I had chosen to move to Greenville, and we absolutely love it here. We were looking for a church home, and we came and visited First Pres. I heard Richard preach on Romans chapter 5, and I said, that's where we're going. And, you know, we preachers, uh, we preachers can be pretty critical of other preachers. You know, that's, that's just the way we are. And uh, so I was pretty critical. I wanted to make sure we were sitting under the Word where we were going to be properly taught. And I'm telling you, we are blessed to have a preacher like Richard. And I hope you all realize that, how blessed we are to be able to sit under his preaching. Well, thank you. I had no idea I'd ever be able to serve on staff here. And it's a joy while I'm in this interim position to be able to serve the church and look forward to getting to know many of you. Well, obviously, I'm not Richard, and we're not going to be looking at Ruth. We're going to be looking at Peter. And so I want you to open your Bibles with me this morning to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. And we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 33. Richard's been taking us through a series of sermons on radical discipleship. As we begin to look at biblical characters and see what are the marks of true discipleship, what is a real disciple supposed to be? And what is a, a, a disciple, how does a disciple live his life out in this world in which we live? Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at this world, it seems to me that things are getting a whole lot worse. You agree with that? Getting a whole lot worse. Above everything else, what the church needs today is radical discipleship, people who are serious about their walk with Jesus Christ, men and women, boys and girls, who are willing to step out in faith and make a difference in the world, and I believe that's what God has called us to. Do you? Now, one of the points Richard's made as we've looked at these characters, it's not so much about what we see in the characters, but rather what the characters saw in God. You see, radical discipleship is not manward, it's Godward. Radical discipleship focuses on the awesomeness of God, that God is sufficient for the challenges that are before us every day. There's a God in heaven who is absolutely sufficient to meet all of our needs. 
And if there's one thing in common with every character that we've studied so far, that's what we've seen, the sufficiency of God. Now, today we're going to look at Peter's life to learn more about radical discipleship. We're going to talk about faith. Let me go ahead and give you these three points since your outline in your bulletin is actually the one Richard was... I was to preach next Sunday, and when Richard got sick, he called me yesterday to see if I'd do it today. So anyway, we're changing up. Let me give you the three points of the sermon. First of all, Peter's bold step of faith. Peter's bold step of faith. And then secondly, his disappointing lapse in faith. His disappointing lapse in faith. And then thirdly, God's gracious restoration of his faith. Those three things. Now, as we do, we want to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Before I get there, aren't you glad that you're part of a church that believes in the authority and power of the Word of God, aren't you? And if anything that's desperately needed today it's preaching, expository preaching based on God's Word because the Word of God is powerful. This reminds me of a story that I heard several years ago, supposedly a true story. There was an article in a newspaper, and I think it was one of the cities in Tennessee. But the headlines read, Power in the Word. And the story went on to tell about an elderly lady who was awakened during the night by somebody breaking into her house. And so she heard it, and immediately what she did is she dialed 911, and she called the police. She could hear this bumping around going on downstairs in the house, and she couldn't take it any longer. She got out of bed. She walked out of her bedroom. Her, floor, her, her bedroom's on the second floor. She looked over the banister, and sure enough, here was a man walking out toward her front door with some of her things in his hands, and immediately she cried out, Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38. Now, if you don't know what Acts 2.38 is, look it up. You know, it's in your Bible. Acts 2.38. Well, with that, the guy froze. He just stopped. And sure enough, about that time, blue light came out front. Policeman came in, handcuffed him took him out to the squad car, driving him down to the police station to book him. And on the way down, he turned back, the policeman turned back to him and said, look, I just got to ask you a question. Why in the world didn't you run? He said, are you kidding me? When that old lady told me she had an ax in 238, so I wasn't going nowhere. <laughs> right? There's power in the Word. Well... We know it's better than that, don't we? We have the power of the Holy Spirit who gave us this Word. So this is God's Word found in Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, let me remind you what had just happened. It was the feeding of the 5,000. And you can imagine how exhausted the disciples must have been and how exhausted Jesus must have been after such an event. And so he, he sent the disciples out ahead of him. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. 
But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is God's Word. Would you pray with me? We thank you, O Holy Spirit, the very author of these words. Would you now illuminate our hearts, and would you speak to us this morning? We thank you, Jesus, that you're here with us. And we pray this morning that you, we would hear your voice as you speak to us. For we make our prayer in your precious name. Amen. Peter's bold step of faith. Now, you've got to get the conditions here for a moment. It was the fourth watch of the night, which meant it was somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., probably dark. The disciples had gotten in the boat. Jesus sent them out in the boat, and they had gone out probably right toward the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And while they're there, a storm came up. The wind came through, and that's not uncommon on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, I've, for the last several years, taken people to Israel and it was, I think, the last couple of times ago that we went, we actually had a storm. I was reading this story, and we actually had a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Now, tell me that wasn't meant to be. You know, we had everybody out there, and I'm reading this story, and sure enough, this wind comes whipping up, and it comes across the lake, and you feel it, and the boat starts moving. Now, it was nothing. I don't think it was anything like what Peter was going through this night because here was this storm blows in, wind is blowing, it's pouring down rain, the boat is rocking. It doesn't take the disciples long to realize that they've lost control of the boat, and they are fearful. They are scared. Fear gripped them. Now, let me remind you where Jesus was. Did you notice this when I read it? It said, he dismissed them and sent them to go to the other side. Where did he go? He went up on a mountain alone to pray. I've thought about that. What do you think he's praying about? I believe that his watchful eye 
was upon those disciples because he knew he's omniscient, right, and omnipotent. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. And I'm sure he knew if he didn't ordain this storm, and maybe this was a test of faith, but he knew what these disciples were going to be facing. And what is he doing? He's praying. You do realize that at this very moment, the Lord Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father doing what? making intercession for us. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty comforting to me. When we go through life, and particularly the storms of life, the difficulties of life, that we have a Savior who is aware, a Savior who is praying, a Savior. Notice what Jesus does. He left the mountain, and he came out onto the sea. And there the disciples in the boat, absolutely terrified, in the dark, wind-blowing, raging sea. Now, let me stop there for a minute. Do you understand what's happening here? I mean, here is the very Lord of this uni <clears throat> universe who has overcome the elements of nature. He was walking on water. He had victory over the wind and the waves. He calmly walked through the midst of the storm, and he comes up. Who is this? The disciples finally figure it out. This is the Lord of the universe, the one who created all things and the one who sustains all things. That's who this is. He's overcome the very elements of nature. And he walks out to his disciples who are in trouble. Now, what do you think you'd do if you're a disciple and you look up? It's raining. It's dark. You can't see real well, but this figure begins to appear to you. What is their conclusion? What is it? It's a ghost, right? I, I feel for them. They were terrified already. Well, how would you like to be out in the middle of the lake in this situation, and you think a ghost is coming out after you? They were absolutely terrified. And then Jesus calmly spoke, and he said these simple words, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, I want to stop here. There are storms that we go through in life that are far worse than the dark storm that Peter and his disciples found themselves in. You know, I believe in the sovereignty of God. Aren't you glad that, that he's a sovereign God? You know, the sovereignty of God means he's in charge of everything. He's in control. And see, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that Richard got sick so I could be here today to preach this sermon. I don't tell him I said that, but, you know. But, no, I'm serious about this. I really do believe this. I mean, you know, we'd planned me to preach next week. Well, things got moved around. And so I'm convinced that this morning when I was praying, I was convinced there are people here, God moved this whole thing around for me to preach this sermon today because there are going to be some people sitting here today that this sermon applies to. I don't know what the pain is, but the pain can be awesome. 
You know, Christians are not exempt from the suffering of living in a fallen world. You understand that, don't you? We're not exempt from that. There is a false gospel that teaches this health and wealth gospel that comes along and says, oh, God wants you to have all the money you ever wanted, and, you know, he wants you to be healthy, and, and you, you come to Jesus, and there are not going to be any more problems in your life. You do understand that's false, don't you? See, Christians are not exempt from the fallenness of the world. But the huge difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that we have Jesus who comes to us in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of the storms, in the midst of our pain. We have a Savior who comes to us and who says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. What was the first, verse of the, first word of the verse I read? Come on, what was it? When, right? When you pass through the water. It doesn't say if. We will go through those times of difficulties, those times of struggles. We will go through these storms in life. But here's the difference. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And even though they look like they're going to overwhelm you, even though you sense, have a sense of drowning, you want because Jesus comes to the rescue. And he says, these, he says this one word to us in the midst of our storms. And you know the one word he said to Peter? Come. This morning, if you're in the midst of one of those storms, Jesus is saying to you, Come. Get out of the boat. Step on the raging waters and come to me. Bold step of faith. Peter did it. But, little word, but. We read, when he saw the wind... He was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, what happened? He's doing so well. I mean, he's there, and, and he sees Jesus. He's been absolutely frightened to death, and he looks out, and he sees Jesus, and, and he says, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come to you. And Jesus says, comes, and, and Peter steps out, and he starts walking to him. But then all of a sudden, he begins to look, not at Jesus, but at the wind. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, and he started focusing on the storm. And when he focused on the storm, he realized that the storm could overwhelm him, and he started to sink. Now, let me tell you this. Whatever that storm is in your life that you're facing this morning, if you focus on the storm, you will sink. But Jesus won't let you drown. 
And if you're one of those people this morning and you know you've been doing that, you know you've had this problem, you really in faith want Jesus to do something, you're trusting him to do something, but in your head, but you come up with those words, but Lord, these circumstances are so great, they're so awesome, they're so overwhelming to me in my life, I feel like I'm drowning, I feel like there's no hope. Would you hear Jesus this morning say, come, take courage, don't be afraid, it is I. You see, as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, we'll survive the storms and overcome them. But when we lose our focus on Jesus and begin to focus on the storms, we'll sink into unbelief. We're talking about radical discipleship. Two things I want you to get about radical discipleship here quickly. One of them is this. Radical discipleship means that even when you're in the midst of those storms that seem absolutely overwhelming and impossible, Jesus Christ can take you through them. I'm not saying that he will always remove the circumstances, but what I am saying to you is he comes to you in the midst of them and he will be with you and he will not let you drown. But radical discipleship also means that we recognize how weak our faith can be at times. And truly, that's what happened to Peter. But I'm so thankful the story doesn't end there. Notice what happens. Here he is going down, sinking into the raging waters. What did Jesus do? Grabbed him. Pulled him to himself. That same Jesus lives and moves among us. And this morning, would you take courage? Because whatever it is that's causing you to feel like you are sinking into despair and hopelessness and discouragement, there's a Savior who reaches out and takes you by the hand, his right omnipotent hand, and holds you. And what happened? He lovingly rebuked Peter. Oh, Peter, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? I believe this morning there might be a little loving rebuke coming from Jesus to some of us. Why are you doubting me? Peter, I absolutely had control over all of the wind. I had control over the waves. I had control over the storm. I walked on the water. I'm the supreme master of all things. How does a little raging wind ever stop me from accomplishing my purposes? See it? You see it? Oh, little faith. 
Why did you doubt? And then Jesus does an amazing thing. They get in the boat. What happened? The wind stopped. Calm. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And what happened to the disciples? And I'm sure, the text doesn't say it. I'm reading a little bit into it. I'm sure Peter was the first one. You are the Son of God. All right, there you are. Radical discipleship. When in the midst of storms, we recognize that we have a Savior who comes to us, who loves us with an infinite love, and who graciously, even in our weak faith, graciously restores us back to himself and so that our testimony can be strong. Surely you are the Son of God. What are the struggles you face this morning? What is the pain? What are you afraid of? Hear Jesus calling you. I close with this. You do realize that the greatest storm of all is when we fail to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation. Because the storm of God's displeasure is horrific, which makes the gospel even more powerful. Because when Jesus went to that cross and he took our sins upon himself, the horrific storm of the judgment of God came, so much so that Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What happened at that moment on the cross? Jesus experienced the wrath of a holy God against sin. Do you understand the good news for us? We'll never face that storm because Jesus did it for us. Beloved, that is the good news of the gospel. Let's pray together. This morning, Lord, I pray that you would take these words as weak perhaps as they were and that you would drive them deeply into our hearts that in the midst of the storms whatever they are this morning that the sweetness of Jesus' voice would call out come take courage do not be afraid it is I. Jesus, may we rest in you. And may we trust you, trust you, even in the midst of the greatest storms of life that seem to overwhelm us because you love us with an infinite love
We make this prayer in your precious and holy name. Amen. Have you missed a Sunday? Go to our website to watch previous broadcasts, download a podcast, or purchase a CD or DVD. And don't forget to connect with First Pres by liking us on Facebook and Twitter, signing up to receive emails, or requesting prayer online. Do you need prayer for something or someone in your life? First Presbyterian Church offers a healing prayer service each Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Our prayer ministers will quietly intercede for you or anyone you are representing who needs prayer for physical healing, emotional healing, or forgiveness.